chapter number 9. We'll begin with verse 1. Please don't forget Family Fest next Sunday. All that goes along with it takes a lot of help and work. And we can use all the help we can get. And it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. Amen. John 9, chapter 1, or excuse me, John 9, verse number 1. The Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, this is the key verse today, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be, should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he sped on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Amen. I'm preaching to you today from this subject, destined to be delivered. Destined to be delivered. It was the will of God that that man be delivered from his blindness. He was destined to be delivered. And I want to tell somebody in this house today, you are destined to be delivered. Somebody say it with me. Say, I'm destined to be delivered. If you believe it, clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, come on and let's praise him right now. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to do something a little different than I would probably normally do when I'm preaching today, I'm going to work backward, okay? We're going to go backward in reverse chronological order. And I want to talk about this man and what God did in his life. The first thing I want to tell you is that when Jesus touches you, there will always be a notable difference in your life. Now, if I had done what I wanted to do, y'all wouldn't have been very happy with me. I would have read this whole chapter in John. And it is 41 verses. And so somebody ought to say, thank you, Pastor. If you're not going to thank me, I'll read it anyway. No. And, and, and so I wanted to read all of it, but I said, I can't read all of it. So I just read the first seven verses because that's where we're going to end today. But if you were to read all of this you would find that something that happened uh, after the Lord had touched this man is that people noticed the difference that was in him. And they began to say, is not this the one who was blind that used to sit at this particular place? And, and some of them looked and said, no, that's not him. And, and he said, it is me. I am that man 
that was blind, but now I see. And so uh, people will notice when there's been a difference made in your life. Uh, People should notice if God has touched you. People should notice if you are changed. Um, I, I, I'll just never agree and I'll never be able to get on board with a form of Christianity that really is not Christianity, but it's a so-called form of Christianity that says God can touch you, but you don't ever have to be changed. That's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve is a God who is better. He is a God who is better and he is the God of better. And he wants to make you better. And he wants to make me better. And please don't get caught up in the, in the narcissistic thinking that says, I don't need to be better. Oh, yeah, you do. I could be better. You could be. We could all stand to be better. But here's the key. You can't make yourself better. And I can't make you better. But Jesus Christ, he can make you better. Hallelujah. And so when they see this notable difference in his life, the first thing they want to know, they said, what is it that has happened to you? When, they, when he told them, it is me, they said unto him, how were your eyes open? And he answered and he said, he began to testify to them. He said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes. And said unto me, I don't know if I would have considered that anointing. If he spat in the ground and got a little mud ball and put it on my eyes, that's probably not what I would consider anointing. But this man said, he anointed my eyes with this clay. And he told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed. And when I had done that, I had received my sight. How did this happen to you? Jesus is what happened to me. We better never forget that it wasn't you or me that that got all this done in our lives. It's Jesus that has done this for us. We need to talk about it. We need to tell people about it. We need to share it. We need to let people know that there is one who is able to touch us and change us so that who we were is not who we are and that we can become something different than what we were at one point. Can you say amen? They wanted to know what had happened. Then they had wanted to know who it was that did it. He told them Jesus, and, and they said, where is he? Where is this Jesus? And, and he said, I don't know where he's at right now. He said, but I'm going to tell you, that's the one who did this for me. When you begin to talk about Jesus, other people want to go find Jesus so they can look at Jesus To see who this is that has done this. Now David said in the book of Psalms. He said oh taste and see that the Lord is good. He knew that if he could just get people to get a hold of. At that time they didn't have Jesus in a physical body. But he he said if you would just taste of the Lord. You would begin to see and understand what I do. That he is a good God. That he is a very good God. And if we can just get to talking to people about Jesus and we can tell them about what he's done for us, I want you to know that there's going to be people who are going to be pricked in their heart and they're going to want to find this Jesus and see if he can touch their life like he touched yours. Now, when all of this was going on, 
the Pharisees, the Bible said, got involved in it. And, and uh, they, be, they, brought, they brought him to the Pharisees, as a matter of fact. And they began to question this thing that had happened. And this is why. We obviously know the Pharisees had issues with Jesus uh, from the beginning of his ministry. They began to have issues with him. And the reason for that is that when Jesus does something that does not fit into our box, it will always reveal the spiritual thinker from the carnal thinker. All right? When Jesus does something and it doesn't fit in your box of how it should be done, it's always going to determine the spiritual thinker from the carnal thinker. And even within the Pharisees, now the Pharisees get, a, get given a hard time, and rightly so, because usually that's the, uh, those are the ones who are, who are trying to give Jesus uh, difficulty, and, and they're trying to, to uh, hinder his ministry. But not all the Pharisees were like that. And the Bible said in this, in this uh, passage of Scripture that there was division among the Pharisees. There were some who said, this isn't of God. And there was another group that said, this could only have been of God. And there was a division that began to take place. Because when God does something like this, it separates those who think spiritually from those who think carnally. I want to challenge you today to be very careful that you do not fall into the trap of carnal Christianity. Carnal Christianity, where you begin to think in a way that if God doesn't do it just like this, the way I want him to do it, the way I have predetermined him to do it, if it doesn't fall in line with that, then it cannot be of God. I want you to know, I believe the revival that God wants to send to this city, I believe the, the revival that God is sending to the end time church that we are all a part of right now is a revival that is going to cause us to step out of the box that we've been in. I believe things are going to happen that have never happened before. I believe things are going to begin to take place that have never happened before. I think it's going to happen in ways that you and I never dreamed it could happen. Somebody preach with me right now. I believe it's going to happen in ways that we would have never, ever dreamed it could possibly happen. We're going to look at it and we're going to say, how in the world did this come to be? And we're going to have no other answer than to say, Jesus did it. And Jesus gets to do it however Jesus wants to do it. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if there was something began to take place? And there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And people began to receive the Holy Ghost. But it wasn't just inside this building that it happened. It was happening in the store. It was happening in a parking lot. It was happening when you go over to somebody's house to visit with them. Wouldn't it just be amazing if God began to do things that were unprecedented and got us outside of our box? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Hallelujah. I don't want to fall into the trap of being a carnal thinker. You can be in the church and be a carnal thinker. You can be saved and be, watch this, you can be saved and still be a carnal thinker in the respect that you say it can't happen any other way but this. 
So let us be careful that we don't put limits on God. Let us be careful that we don't hinder the work of God. I don't ever want it to be that we would stand before the Lord as a church and God say there was so much more that I wanted to do, but you kept holding it all at arm's length because you were uncomfortable with it. I say, God, bring it in. God, let us get a hold of it. God, do what only you can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The other thing that I want to tell you as I'm working my way back is I want you to understand this. They went to his parents, these these Pharisees and, and the Jews, went to the parents of this man who had been healed. And they said, is this your son? And is this what happened? And, and what do you have to say about that? And his parents did something that I can't wait to the day I can do this for my kids. They said, He's a grown man. You go ask him yourself. How many of y'all were thankful when that day got here? Yeah. Not my responsibility. And so they said, you can go ask him. He's the one that it happened to. Go talk to him yourself. And they went and they began to talk to this man. And they said, he said, I only know one thing. He said, I don't have a big, long explanation. And I can't, I can't walk you through a, 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 a myriad of steps that took place for this to happen. All I know is that Jesus touched me. And now I am different than I was before he touched me. And the point that I'm making is this. You're going to have to learn to speak for yourself. You're not going to have pastor there to do it for you. You're not going to have a a Sunday school teacher there to do it for you. You're not going to have your parents or, or your spouse there to do it for you. You are going to have to learn how to speak for yourself of the things that God has done in your life. Now, don't let that scare you. And don't let that put fear in you that I'm going to have to speak up for myself. Don't let it scare you because the Lord told us that he would be with us and he would put words in our mouth. He would put words in our mouth. Now, I've got a testimony I'm going to give. And I'm going to be, I, it's going to sound very obscure because there's things about it that I just can't reveal right now. And maybe one of these days I can. But, but I'm going to tell you what I can of my testimony that happened just a couple weeks ago, I guess. If, if that long ago. I preached to you. How many of y'all have heard me preach before that God is going to help you when you come before somebody and you're put in a situation that the Holy Ghost, the Bible said, would give you the words that you needed to say? Y'all heard me teach that, right? And so just, just a little while back, I was in a situation sitting down with some people. And uh, it was a very important deal that, that, I, was, uh, that I was involved in. And, and I, it was one of those situations where I didn't need to just say anything. You know what I mean? Y'all ever been there? You didn't need to just say anything. You needed to say the right thing. And so before I went there, I prayed and I said, Lord, this is, this is a, now this wasn't some kind of a business deal. or This was, a, this was things to do with the kingdom of God. And so I said, Lord, I need your help because I can't do this on my own. And I don't, I don't even know 
the, the things that are going to be asked of me. I don't even know the, uh, the, the, the things that will be presented to me. And I'm going to have to deal with this off the cuff. And so, God, you told me something a long time ago. And I've been preaching it to our church that you would go with us and you would put words in our mouth. So I'm, I'm telling you, I prayed. And I said, God, I'm not going to try to prepare for this. I'm not going to try to to lay it all out because I can't really. And and if I try to, undoubtedly, I'm just going to mess it all up. So, God, I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to be confident in who you are and who I am in you. And I'm just going to lean on your everlasting arms and you're going to put words in my mouth. So I walked into that room and I began to to meet and and, and have discussion. And as I I want you all to know this. As I was in that meeting... The Holy Ghost began to move on me. And questions were asked that were very hard questions. And and things were said that were very hard to navigate around. And it's not because I'm so smart that it got handled. It's because God put his hand on me and began to put words in my mouth and to direct me and lead me. And I want you to know, you don't need to have any fear for what you're going to have to say. If God puts you in the position, God's going to put the words in your mouth. You're going to be able to speak for yourself. Is there anybody in this room that says, I'd like to speak for him? I'd like to be one who lifts my voice for the Lord. Clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, now, this, what you have to understand about this story in Scripture is that the whole thing was a setup. Would you say that? It was a setup. It was a complete setup. When Jesus uh, came by there that day, he already knew that he would pass by there. And he knew that the blind man would be there. And he knew, furthermore, that his disciples would ask the key question. Lord, who sinned? Who was it that sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? Who sinned that he is now blind? He knew they'd ask that question. He had set this whole thing up. Sometimes the circumstances that surround us are merely a setup for God to be put on display. Now, we're going to have to understand that. We're going to have to get a hold of that. That sometimes God puts me in a place... Not because he's even not because he's testing me, not because he's trying to build my faith, not because he's wanting to make me feel better about who I am. Sometimes God puts us in a situation simply because he wants to put his power and his might on display, and he needs a vessel. Who is willing to allow God to use them. And so that's the case with this man. Blind from birth. But not because he sinned. Not because his parents sinned. Not because uh, God was going to do something just for him. But it was so that everybody would see that Jesus was the Christ. When you read about Joseph. Joseph went through his trial of being thrown in the pit. Being 
being sold into slavery and going to Potiphar's house and then from Potiphar's house going to the prison. And you begin to read about all that. Was in prison for two years. How's that to wait? Two years in prison waiting for God to do something. Thinking I've missed it somehow and and the dreams that the Lord gave me are, are never going to come to pass in my life. But you have to understand the pit. Potiphar, the prison, it was all just a setup for God to put him in a particular place so that Joseph would be able to save his family when they came in their time of need. So let me ask you the question, how comfortable are you in the hands of God? How comfortable are you in the hands of God? Are you able to remain in the hands of God in times when you don't want to be in the hands of God? Let me just tell you, there's been some days I didn't want to be right smack dab in the middle of God's will. It's quiet right now. There have been days I didn't want to be in the middle of God's will. Because it was hard to be in the middle of Of God's will. Uncomfortable people. In the hands of God. Inevitably are going to go somewhere. Where they are comfortable. But God's not looking for a group of people. Who are trying to determine. Their own level of comfort. He is looking for a group of people. Who say if you will allow yourself. To be placed into my hands. And you will stay in my hands. No matter what the situation is. No matter what it is that you're facing, if you will remain in my hands, then I can use you. Then I can do something in your life. This man who was healed, we don't even know his name. He was just the man blind from birth. This man's destiny was to be put in a particular situation so that Jesus could be glorified he was destined to be delivered from the day that he was born he was not a sinner the bible does not tell us that he was a sinner matter of fact when jesus healed him jesus when he dealt with sinners jesus would say go and sin no more right but with this man jesus put the clay in his eyes and he said go to the pool of siloam and wash He didn't say go sin no more because this man was not a sinner. And I want to tell you this today. Everything that you fight is not because of everything that's wrong in your life. Everything you're facing is not because you've got a bunch of junk in your life. And we better better have enough faith in God to understand that just because I'm going through something does not mean that God is mad at me. It does not mean that God is frustrated or angry at me or that God is even trying to prove me even in this. It could mean that God has a bigger plan that really doesn't have anything to do with me other than the fact that I'm the vessel that he's going to use to bring it to pass. You know what we are? We are narcissists. We are. Let me... Break that word down in case you don't know what it is. (laughs) Somebody said thank you. (laughs) 
We are narcissists. That means it's all about me. It's all about I, me, myself, and I. And we think that if we're going through it, it has always to do with me. Well, my goodness, don't you think in a church of this size, God's going to use at least a few people to do some things that don't have anything to do with them? Now, I know that if we make bad decisions, we reap what we sow. Amen? We make bad decisions, we're going to reap what we sow. But if you've been sowing a good harvest, and, and, and you've been out planting good stuff, then you can expect for some good things to come up from that. Now, let me tell you, I don't walk around. I'm just going to let you know how I feel about this. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to treat right now, okay? I don't walk around always concerned that I'm going to have a bad harvest come up in my life. I don't do it. You know why? I haven't been planting a bad harvest. I've been sowing good seed. I've been sowing the things of God. Now, I may not be the greatest Christian in the world, but I'm doing my best to sow faithfulness. And I'm doing my best to be consistent. And I'm doing my best to be everything that the Word of God tells me that I need to do on my part to be. And I'm sowing that seed. So I am expecting that when that harvest comes up, that I'm going to reap a good harvest. So if I'm going, if I've been sowing a good harvest, but I'm dealing with a difficult situation, that lets me know it's not about what I've been sowing. It has to be then that God has a greater plan for this than what, than what I can see. So when we get to that point, we have to turn around and say, Lord, I don't understand it and I don't really get it, but I am believing that you've got your hand on this. And I believe you're going to use it to bring about good. Somebody shout amen. 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 I want you to know that everybody in this room today is destined to be delivered. Before there was ever a creation, the Lord had prepared a way for the salvation of humanity. John 1.29, the Bible says, The next day, John, who was John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Revelation told us that he was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So before you and I ever got here, before there was ever a word that said, let there be light. Before there was ever a word that said, I'm going to create man. And I'll take from him the rib and I'll create woman. And I'm going to put them in the garden before any of that ever happened. Before there was an Adam and Eve. Before there was a a Noah or an Abraham or an Isaac or a Jacob. And before you and I were ever thought about. God said before I even put light in the universe. And before I begin to create organization from all this chaos. I want you to know that I am such a great God. And I'm such a mighty God that I'm going to destine all of those that are going to come that, even, that aren't even here yet. That the stuff they need to become isn't even here yet. I'm going to destine them to be delivered from the very beginning of the world. Now you think about that. And God, God destined us to be delivered a very long time ago. He has planned this all along. 
Ephesians 1 and 10, the Bible says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. The Bible said that God predestined you for this. God predestined you to have an inheritance. What inheritance is the apostle talking about there? He's talking about the inheritance of a kingdom that you're going to come into one day. Of a city whose walls are jasper, gates are pearl, and streets are gold. He's talking about the inheritance you and I have of a place called heaven and eternal life. And the Bible said that a long time ago, before you ever started walking through the situation that you're walking through right now, before anybody knew you'd ever be here, a long time ago, God predestinated you and said, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to bring them out. Somebody ought to praise God with me right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of these days, the Lord looked, he said, one of these days, I'll bring Nathaniel out. One of these days, I'm going to deliver him. It's his destiny. One of these days, I'll deliver Annette. I'm going to bring her out. It's just her destiny. One of these days, Rick and Belinda, I'm going to bring them out. And everybody in this room today, all along, it's been the plan of God to put his hand on you and pull you out. It's his plan for your life to pull you out of some things. It's his plan for your life. Hallelujah. 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 When I was in school, I wasn't a bad kid, I don't think. Jesse may think different. I didn't cause a lot of problems. But I really wasn't the witness I needed to be either. I regret that. When Jesse called me the other day. And began to talk to me about some of the things the Lord had done for him. I asked him, I said, well, did you have any background in this? No. No. He, you never came to church with me and Gurdon. Didn't have any background in this. And I apologized to Jesse the other day on the phone. I said, I just want you to know I'm sorry that I never tried to get you to come to church with me. I apologized for that. And he told me, it's okay. He said, I probably wouldn't have gone anyway. (laughs) But God begins to move things. and God begins to shift things. God begins to work in ways that we can't always see. Because God's got a destiny for us. And God's got a plan for our lives. And God says, I'm going to push through and I'll fight through every difficulty. I'll fight through unbelief. I'll fight through people not doing what they ought to be doing, bringing people to the house of God. I'll push through all that stuff. I'll do everything because there's somebody that has a destiny on their life. And so... A few years ago, some things began to happen to Jesse. Jesse, why don't you stand and just share a little of your testimony with us? Hallelujah. Praise God. 
thank y'all for letting me speak for a minute. I've never spoke in front of a crowd much, but uh, I just want to tell y'all the things that I tell you. Uh, I'm going to cut this a lot shorter than I had planned, but the things I'm going to tell you, don't think, well, this happened to him, and that's why uh, he turned into a dopehead. Or, or this happened to him, that's why he went to prison. Or that's why he was an alcoholic. That's not the case. The reason I was those things was because of the choices I made. But when I was three years old, my mama left my dad and my brother, and I never seen her but once or twice until I graduated. And my dad was the love of my life. At 14 years old, he got cancer and died, and that flipped my world upside down. I was in shock for a couple of years. I started doing drugs. Two years later, I was a junior in high school. Uh, my brother overdosed and died. It was an accidental overdose, but he was dead. And uh, by that time, I was in a drug now called Pretty Heavy. Time I graduated high school, I was selling methamphetamines, using a lot of it. I was drinking on a regular basis. That went on for the next 10 years of my adult life, um, just upside down. I'd sleep, uh, some nights I'd sleep in the graveyard, some nights I'd sleep in my truck. 27 years old, I caught my third violent felony charge under the same judge. Every time I'd get in trouble, I'd pray, God, help me get out of this. And every time he did, I'd turn my back on him. I never went to church, but I acknowledged God, and I knew who he was. I feel like everybody does. And uh, but my third charge uh, really got me to thinking. I said, God, I don't know what's going on here, but it was involved a man, and then I was thinking about hurting him. One night I was coon hunting by myself in, in them river bottoms, and I sit down, and I felt the Spirit of God come over me, and I hadn't went to court yet, and I started praying, and, and, and God let me know. He said, don't go hurt that man. Don't go in his house. Don't hurt his family. And I, and I just broke down. I said, God, help me. If I'm going to live in this world, I need your help. And, and, and I'm serious this time. If it means me going to prison or whatever it takes to help me, I just need your help. And from that moment on, all through my, my, my time in county jail, even up to my time in ministry in prison, uh, he put this guy in, in, in prison with me that, that helped me. I mean, one thing right after another. And when I got out, uh, he, I was still seeking God. Before I got out, I prayed. I said, Lord, if it's not meant for me to get out yet, don't let me out. I want to stay in here because I'm serious. And that, that's when I knew that I was in this thing. Well, there's three things. He put me in prison to deliver me, to give me a little time to sober up, to keep me rooted in the Word of God and to let my prayer life. And I was just done with this And uh, when I got out, I, I paroled out to my uncle's house. No, no, no job, no money, no ride, no nothing. And, and that's when the verse hit me, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. So I got to praying, and I got to seeking God. Next thing you know, here comes a guy, my, my, my uncle's friend, Sir Jesse. He had tears rolling down his face. I don't know what's going on, but God wants you to get, give you this money. It was $100 or $200. It was enough gas money to get me going to work, you know. And I prayed about a job. Next thing, I made a phone call, and, and my old boss says, Well, you know, uh, something happens here. A job just opened up for you. Won't you come on down here to go to work? Went down to Texas, and I got to praying and seeking God more about a church and, and the Holy Ghost. And I met my assistant pastor on a job. He worked for Chevron Pipeline. Uh, went to his church. It's a Pentecostal church. It's my home church now. Uh, got baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I've, I've been out for, for three years now. Uh, end up, I'm married to his daughter. So uh, me and hers in the church, good. And it's just... Uh, uh, He's done so much for me that, you know, and, and that's how it is. You know, when, when you live for God, he's going to do. But I don't live for him for the blessings. I live for him because he is God, and he's my God, no, no matter what happens. He's my God. He delivered me from drugs. He delivered me from alcohol. 
and he healed my broken heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Great job. Hallelujah. 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 Let me tell you how great our God is. Our God said, I'll put you in jail if I need to. I'll move you down to Texas. But I'm going to make sure that you get delivered because that's your destiny. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you'll give me about three minutes, I'll be finished. You may be seated. I, I guarantee you Jesse wouldn't tell you today that he regrets going to prison. Why? Because God used it to bring about deliverance. He doesn't regret having to walk through those things. Because God used those things to do something in his life. I want you to know that the deliverance that God has for us is so great. It is so powerful that anything that would oppose God's complete and whole deliverance in a life, it cannot withstand a person, whether they're a sinner or a saint. It can't withstand a person who says, I want to live right and I want to walk with God. There's nothing that can hold back God's deliverance for somebody who says, I want God to work in my life. And I believe today that in this room, there are people who are destined to be delivered. You're destined to be delivered from sickness. You are destined to be delivered from offense. You are destined to be delivered from anger. You are destined to be delivered out of calamity. You are destined to be delivered from evil. You are destined to be delivered from poverty. You are destined to be delivered from addictions. You are destined to be delivered from your past. You are destined to be delivered. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, somebody believe it with me right now. Somebody believe it with me right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are destined to be delivered. I feel this so strong today. By the way, I knew I was going to preach this message. Jesse had called me, but we didn't know which service he'd be able to be here. So I didn't just work it out for him to be here today so I could preach this message. I didn't know till late last night that he'd be here. It just worked out that way. I believe God's here today letting us know some things. And it is the will of God. If I've ever been in the Holy Ghost, I believe I'm in it right now. It is the will of God for you to be delivered. I don't know what you've been carrying around. I don't know what's had a hold of you. You've come to church. Some of you have been coming to church and you look right and you give the appearance of everything being all right and you say all the right things and you tell everybody everything's okay, but really you've been bound and I'm telling you that you are destined to be delivered and whatever it is that's had a hold on you. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. (laughs) 
my God, my God, my God. Well, you ought to just get up and begin to praise the Lord. He's in this house. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And it came to pass, Luke 5, 12, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city. Behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, hear this, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put his hand forth. Jesus touched him, and he said, I will be thou clean. The leprous man wasn't sure. So he told him, he said, Lord, I know that you can. It's just a question of whether or not if you will it or not. Jesus looked back at him and he simply said, I will. In other words, man with leprosy, this is your destiny. This is my will for your life. Be thou clean. If God has destined it, the enemy cannot derail it. It's an absolute impossibility. God destined David to defeat Goliath. He destined Moses to defeat Pharaoh. He destined Ruth to become Naomi's daughter-in-law. He destined Jeremiah to be a weeping prophet. He destined John the Baptist to be the forerunner of Christ. And the devil couldn't stop a one of them. The enemy has never once stopped what God started and humanity agreed to. Your backslidden loved one is destined to be delivered. And they let me tell you how close they are. They are closer than you know. They are as close as agreeing with God. <laughs> they are as close. as a, But you don't understand. They're 500 miles away right now. No, no, no. Don't worry. They are as close as agreeing with God. And if God wills it. And they will agree with God. I want you to know the devils they've been fighting. He doesn't stand a chance. And the things that's gotten a hold of them. They don't stand a chance. And what you're going to see happen. Is a shaking begin to take place. And things are going to fall off. And people are going to be delivered. You don't have to question whether or not God wants to do it. It is a part of your destiny. And I have come to preach to you today and tell you. And my goodness, that was awesome, Jesse. You did a great job. I've come to let you know you are destined to be delivered. If there is anybody in this room that says, I've been waiting for about the past 30 minutes to get up there so God can begin to pull things off of me or out of my life. Would you step out from where you are? Would you come to the front of this church and let's see God begin to work? Come on and agree with Him. Come on and call on Him. That's it. That's it. Step out from where you are. Step out from where you are. Destined to be delivered. <laughs>